the future of photography. Adrian, what do you use cameras for? <laughs> Blimey, that's a big question. <laughs> um, well, the title uh, of this episode is Uses for Cameras. So, uh, Okay, well, wow. Um, uh, uh, lots of things. I mean, you know, for, from my, my phone camera, which gets used to, to capture, I don't know, things like where I've parked my car sometimes, you know, or, or to, uh, to, to uh, magnify... Uh, things that my eyes are no longer good enough to read easily. <laughs> I have to, I have to fall back on that every now and then too. Now, yeah, yeah it doesn't happen to me <sighs> often. Um, but, but uh, yeah, if somebody gives me something too small, sometimes it's easier to get my phone and, have and you, take have a photograph you ever, of it. Have you ever tried to read the the, the power rating on an Apple power supply? Uh, do you know what? It's, it's impossible. Uh, uh, do you know what? That is the most, not on an Apple branded <laughs> power supply, but on a power supply. Um, this is, this uh, is, this is, I have no idea how they, how they do this. But anyway. Uh, the, I, I had to do that about two weeks ago. for Somebody had asked me the power supply for something. This, is this it five was, watts? Uh, is it 10 watts? Let me, let me yeah, yeah, break out I the camera. I had to take a photograph of it. I couldn't find a way. Uh, but, but there we go. Anyway. Um, so, uh, yeah, everything from that sort of thing through, through uh, you know, documenting family life through to the creation of, of what in my world passes for art. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Um, so I've been on the lookout for what, cameras are being used for and i found five different kind of uses of cameras at least that's the umbrella I, i'm kind of trying to shoehorn those five independent stories into so um the first one is using cameras to save money which is a good idea right okay yeah that sounds good yeah and that and that takes us to self-driving cars um ah. because most manufacturers of self-driving cars rely on uh, a technology called lidar to to sense their surroundings in three dimensions. That's that's a technology that shoots out laser dots and then infrared laser dots and then captures them with cameras all around the car. You might have seen those, like these big humps on top of cars or things that rotate. Um, yeah, yeah. I, have, I have a little bit, actually. I, I, that means, reminds me, one of the uses I forgot about was parking. Um, but uh, yeah, so we have a car that has uh, actually radar, I think our car has. Radar, yeah. LiDAR, LiDAR, LiDAR is kind of on a very different scale because we're talking a LiDAR system still being about $10,000. Oof. So they're expensive and there's a lot of work to make them cheaper. But uh, at this point, yeah, it'll set you back about $10,000. So if you buy, like, a, in the future, buy a self-driving car that uses LiDAR, as long as the technology doesn't come down in price, you're talking about a car that's $10,000 more expensive than others that do not rely on LiDAR uh, because uh, others rely on cameras. And especially the the whole Elon Musk, Tesla kind of thing, um, They he has publicly said and his scientists support that that uh, the cameras can pretty much do the same thing. Okay, Actually, so that's interesting. So, so what they're doing is they're, they're triangulating there, then, are they, with cameras? Because <clears throat> cameras don't get depth information unless you've got more than one of them, do they? Pretty much. The, 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 there's, a, there's a title of a, of a paper that explains that, and the title is Pseudo-LIDAR from Visual Depth Estimation Bridging the Gap in 3D Object Detection for Autonomous Driving. So... Pretty much comes <laughs> sounds, sounds, very sounds, sounds like a gripping read. <laughs> yes. Now, pretty much what they say is uh, take take two cheap cameras, convert their stereoscopic picture to 
a to something that the LiDAR would also make, what's called a point cloud, and then rotate that to get a top-down view and you can get the same information um, or a very close estimation of that. And I, I've seen, yeah, I've, I've seen it actually, but there are cars now you can get uh, with four cameras, one at the front, one at the back and, and one on each of the door mirrors. And they create right. a 360 degree plan view to help you uh, to help you park. That's yeah, that's one use. But uh, the, the pseudo LIDAR kind of thing goes further because it actually derives 3D information from those different cameras. And now we're talking $10 for a camera. Uh, and two, twenty dollars for two cameras. That's like two to three orders of magnitude cheaper than what a lidar would be. Yeah, um, yeah, that's good. Yes. Anyway, we'll see how this shakes out. Elon Musk on a recent investor event, he said, uh, "Quote: You only need cameras. Anyone relying on lidar is doomed." Now we know he's kind of flamboyant with his <laughs> with the <laughs> things he says, but uh, at this at this point, I I think I believe him because I think you can get very far with cameras at this point. So that would be using cameras to save money and a lot of it. Um, here's a second one. Using cameras that are invisible. Okay. How about that? Um, Samsung is is trying to hide cameras on the phones. Now, you know, you know if, you, if you look at your phone, depending on what phone you have, it might have a... a just a camera on the top. It might have this notch that some iPhones do and some others as well, where they have cameras inside. Um, the, with Samsung just recently, when they released this, the Galaxy S10, they actually punched a hole in the OLED screen for oh, the camera. Okay. So there's a screen with a round hole that the camera sticks through, which is, as far as I understand, quite an achievement to make a screen that you can punch a hole in. Yeah, and it still otherwise works. Otherwise, all the pixels will drain away. <laughs> <laughs> Be like a plug hole, <laughs> right? Um, but then there was a there's some an interview with uh, Mr. Yang, the vice president of Samsung's mobile communications R and D group for displays, and he claimed that in the future uh, they are actually working and planning on making that hole invisible without affecting the function of the camera. So we're talking about some sort of a transparent screen, something that you can uh, hide the camera behind. So that would that's be a, that, that's one heck of an anti-aliasing filter, isn't it? <laughs> I, yeah, no, no idea how this is going to work, but that's well, interesting. They, so, so could they? Uh, sorry, my brain is racing now. So this is probably going to be completely wrong, but I will wildly speculate that if you knew what you were putting on the pixels that were in the way of the camera, you could create an algorithm that subtracts that from what the camera captures Possibly. and end up with the image possible but, but how you but how you manage to so, so i could i could see a subtract a subtraction algorithm working but the problem you'd still have is how to get the light into the camera in the first place well yeah again good question i'm pretty sure they have prototypes in the lab that try that they they're already hiding fingerprint sensors behind the display even though that doesn't need the resolution and it probably works in a different way anyway i think it's ultrasonic so it's at least something that they plan in the future. I don't think we'll see any of that in the next five years. So hmm. that would be number two. Number three, how about not using cameras at all? You uh, remember the, 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 the creating of faces, of headshots of people with uh, NVIDIA's GANs, the uh, Generative Adversary Networks. 
And uh, now some, I think, Japanese scientists have come up with algorithms to create entire people. Okay. So if you if you click on that link, um, you'll see some animated GIFs of uh, people being generated. And uh, it's the classical stance, the classical model shot kind of thing. So they stand in front of a white background and they seem to yeah look look like someone's modeling clothing for a catalog mm. um but yeah so that is one thing that might be scary for i mean initially we we talked about uh, stock photography of portraiture kind of being on the way out unless it's portraits of real people but at least for generic uses um you can use generic people um yeah, you you can you can now extend this to entire people. Uh, that's that, yeah okay. <laughs> that that's so we've talked we've talked about IKEA plenty of times, haven't yeah. we? But but doing it for for fashion and, and actually generating the models and so that's that's yeah. Ma- okay. Maybe even generating the fashion here. You have, <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, maybe maybe yeah, fashion yeah. designers are on the way out too. Uh, well, somebody's still got to do the design work, haven't they? So, yes, maybe. Well, uh, yeah, but but no. Do you remember this face generation algorithm that can also generate cars? You remember those? Yeah, yeah, cars. So, yeah, yeah. so you could just have uh, an algorithm that I don't know generates a cardigan, and you dial in the colors and the stripes and the pattern and the <laughs> and the length and stuff. You know. So I think what I'm learning here is that you don't care a lot about fashion. <laughs> Well, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was number three. Let's get to go into number four, which is uh, another use for cameras, using cameras to fight fire. That sounds I like a good one. came across an article about Paris fire people using drones with thermal cameras to track the Notre Dame fire. Ah, okay. And especially the they they used um, DJI drones, the Mavic Pro and the Matrix M210, which is a bigger one, more professional one. Um, and to be able to do this, they actually had to kind of officially have have the the flight restrictions over the city and near airports to be lifted um, in the software. DJI has this this map oh, on board. Of course, board, it's all built know? in these days, isn't it? Yeah, it's built in and and. Uh, I mean, it's still your responsibility. And if you fly somewhere that where you're not supposed to fly by the local laws and the software doesn't tell you you can't, then you're still like breaking the law. But um, it's pretty good at, I mean, it knows GPS, right? It knows where you are and it has mm. the map and, and it's, it's a simple lookup and it will tell you that, nope, no flying here. You're too near to an airport or you are, I don't know, over a nature... Yes, and, like, and, and, and clearly somewhere like Notre Dame, which is a pretty, is, is in a pretty built-up area and on a fairly <laughs> small little island, isn't it? Um, I don't think you can fly in the center of Paris without without breaking a law. No, I'm, I, I can imagine. I can imagine. And yeah, you know, so so yes, so that that's actually that's interesting that you know in in a period in a in an emergency that the governance models exist to allow those constraints to be lifted. Well, or or maybe they just said that and just didn't care, and <laughs> but I have no idea. <laughs> well, well, maybe, but you know, I mean, I guess if you're, you know, uh, I mean, it's the 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 it's it's a spectrum, isn't it? But I think you know, a fire in 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 a uh, in such an iconic um, building as Notre Dame, 
um, yeah, we're clear, clearly that's at one end of a spectrum. Nobody's really going to make a big fuss if you use a drone when you shouldn't do to try and help that not burn down. But I would imagine you quite quickly get into grey areas, you know, where where, where the, the the rules and regulations and the laws really do need to protect people and make and, and right. help keep them safe. So, but I think it's also a good example of how different technologies come together. Um, and this is the the flying camera platform technology plus a thermal camera platform because you've seen those that they are now handheld available at, at price points where everyone can kind of afford them if they need them so yeah. getting a a FLIR type of device and and hanging it under a, a DJI or other drone um, is is a good help and they use more drones than that not just the camera drones but they also used uh, another robot which was an extinguisher robot that they sent inside the cathedral and probably <laughs> dragging a long long uh, a long hose behind it um, which allowed them to put out some flames without putting any lives at risk so uh, interesting use of drones yeah yeah absolutely yes <clears throat> and the fifth one the last one here is using cameras at the cutting edge and this one is uh, again this one is pretty far out there um, it's a it's a, about a new camera that can photograph you from 45 kilometers away okay that's quite a long way <clears throat> so <laughs> and and on earth that's i have to emphasize that because the issue the issue is that the camera the camera to be able to do this must cut through a lot of atmosphere distortion and pollution and uh, yes yes i can i can imagine i'm trying to think what so uh, and uh i don't i don't know how far is the horizon away i only know it in miles it's about 13 miles isn't it right so uh, as i mean you have you have to assume that the camera is mounted in a high enough place to cope with the earth's curvature right you have to put it up on a high building or something um to be yeah, able to yeah, see actually, that, that far could work, couldn't it yes i could see how that would i could uh, there's, there's a they, there's a hill not far from where i live right uh where on a clear day you can see the center of the city of london uh, oh. and it, and in a and in a uh, and uh if it glints in the sun you can see the arch on wembley stadium which is <laughs> is in the suburbs in the north to the north of london um and those things are more than 45 kilometers away actually good um, Uh, but but yes you so so but if you if you stick a if you stick a camera on the top of uh, uh on the top of a tower block in in london uh then yeah you could you could uh, do this you could and do this, yeah. and the the issue with the uh, the atmospheric distortion and pollution is definitely it's definitely a big issue because you know that sometimes you You, you shoot in places where there are like mountain ranges and only 10 kilometers away they're already quite quite misty quite uh, mm, low contrast yeah. so yes. if you extend this to 45 kilometers you are <clears throat> you're not going to see much on that photo and that, so that's true actually in my example that it is it is not often uh certainly not every day that you can see the buildings in the center of london because you just don't have that level of distance viewing right. available because of the atmospheric distortion and pollution so and so far it was possible there was a te technique a technology out there um, called single photon detection. Now, everyone Google that. I won't explain this in detail, mainly because I really don't understand it myself. But uh, it's single photon detection, and that was used to piece together images of subjects like 10 kilometers away, okay. six miles. But now, 
the, the scientists of the University of Science and Technology of China in Shanghai, um, they now say we can do 45 kilometers, which is like 28 miles in a smog-plagued urban environment, which is the interesting part. That's, that's... And their, their solution is to use that single photon detection where I think there's a special type of camera that captures individual photons from the distance that it needs to think, capture I think we've from. Talked about, I think we've talked about that at, le at, least, at and, least from a science point of view before, but a, a long time ago. Right, yeah. and, and then it, it collects a lot of them and pieces a picture together from them. And that, together with a computational image algorithm, will, um, as they claim, give you super high resolution by knitting together the sparsest of data points. Interestingly enough, this is based on something uh, that we talked about a bit earlier, LiDAR. The thing okay. that we had in the beginning of the show where you illuminate the subject with something like a laser and then you make an image from the reflected light, which is pretty much what you do when you do photography and you use any artificial light source. Yep. But they do it based on runtime. So they send out, uh, it's an infrared laser uh, at a wavelength that is far away from the sun so it won't interfere and it uh, shoots laser beams at 100 kilohertz so it's like really really fast individual pulses of laser and they're at a, at a level that is safe for your eyes and then they use runtime so they know how how far it flies to get to x and how long it takes for the light to come back so they will shoot out a laser pulse and then they will detect it in this time window which equates to the distance they are focusing on yeah, I can see how that... Yes, what with the speed of light being a, a, a constant and everything. Yep. Yes, exactly. So they can they can pretty much see, uh, make an image from that. And there are some, some exciting examples there. Um, it looks it looks quite science-y, so, uh, but still, uh, yeah. So I, I would say, and I think I read this in an article somewhere, keep smiling, they might be watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah indeed so so camera cameras are not just for shopping lists then <laughs> not really no so there we have it five different uses for cameras to save money to uh use cameras that are invisible or no cameras at all cameras to fight fire and cameras to get pictures from 45 kilometers away there's some interesting that, that, those are some interesting <laughs> use cases aren't they you know if you, you you couldn't have had that conversation even 10 years ago you couldn't have <laughs> no. had that conversation could you no and i do not have like a, a compound conclusion here at the end uh as we usually do so well, do, do you know what it reminds me of actually though so so it may not be an exact yeah analogy but what it reminds me of is is the the the, the trouble that you have as a parent these days when you say well okay well well what jobs might we uh, yeah might we steer our children towards or, or or provide them with a background education that might be useful and it's very difficult to know because half the jobs that people do today won't exist by the time the children are old enough to enter the workplace <laughs> or or new jobs will be created based on existing ones i mean i remember when i got into the whole area of computer science um I couldn't have foreseen any of what we are looking at right now, uh, not even the internet at that time. And especially, and people going into photography these days, um, this, this is exploding. I mean, this is maybe what we can take away from this episode is that uh, the use of cameras in photography is exploding. And whoever wants to go into photography, they, in which way ever, there will probably be a use for, for their talents and for the things they learned. 
uh yeah that that yes uh, uh and uh yes it's it's, it's interesting i hope i hope the uh i hope the creative side of photography manages to to grow in such a wild directions as the technical uses of photography are, are doing at the moment I, you know that and that's that's the thing that i think you know the, these technical breakthroughs are just amazing but what and would you take a photograph of from 45 kilometers away <laughs> uh, uh, again the the often often the technology will enable creative uses um and we are often when these things are developed we are not able to foresee even in the in the in the slightest what the photography what the tools are going to be used for yeah that that that, that is the, that that is a, 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 yeah i i'm t totally with you on that I, I remember in the late 90s when i worked for uh, a company that in those days was known as hewlett packard um working the uh worked working with some of the guys in the research labs uh, at hp um and one of them had written a book called you know gigabit ethernet uh, which at the time was a was a futuristic concept yep. <laughs> it's like and the book was exploring all the things that when you had that amount of bandwidth you know what might you use it for um who knew that we just use it for watching reality tv cat shows? pictures <laughs> cat, cat videos yeah, yeah that's what if he'd just written inside the book in big font you know, cat videos. Ca ca cats riding on roombas <laughs> but back then the roomba wasn't even invented so yeah, Let's let's close this episode eighty one of the future of photography. Um, by the way, it's the end of May, and at this point um, we're pre-recording this, but I assume that at this point we have we're pretty much um, closing our casting calls. So, um, yeah, we are. Yes, I had to, had to record this one a little bit in advance because yes. of travel uh, getting in the way of uh, of recording podcasts. Yeah. Uh, but thank you to everybody uh, that has um, uh, sent us uh, a little audition tape uh, or, or a virtual audition tape, whatever you want to call it. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll have got back to you all by now, I am sure, and we will be deliberating um, as to how best to proceed. Exactly. And with that, I think uh, we'll be back in a week with another episode. Until then, everyone, take care. Bye. been listening to The Future of Photography, a production by Adrian Stock and Chris Marquardt. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. Music